Hello and welcome. My name is Chris Connor, and I'll be your host for this series of interviews produced by Q Squared Solutions. I'm having conversations with experts sharing their thoughts on laboratory considerations for immuno-oncology and companion diagnostics development. I'm speaking today with Dr. Radha Krishnan, Chief Pathologist and Senior Medical Director at Q Squared Solutions. Dr. Krishnan, welcome. Thank you, Chris. So we know that uh, anatomic pathology plays an important role in biomarker selection and the development of companion diagnostics. Dr. Christian, what are the key challenges you see in immuno-oncology development related to anatomic pathology today? As you know, in immuno-oncology, one of the most current assays is the determination of pdl one status in multiple different tumor types. And most of the current assays that are available are based on immunohistochemistry. Some of the key challenges that we see with immunohistochemistry currently is the critical differences between the assay characteristics, the number of different PDL1 clones that are available in the marketplace, and the development of rapidly evolving companion diagnostic strategies that are using multiple different PDL1 clones with its related drugs that are being developed by the pharma partners. So some of the key challenges that we see as an organization supporting clinical trials and the development of these, particularly with the context of companion diagnostics, is to ensure that the sample availability is adequate and appropriate for the different clinical trials and any ensuring that the um, assay outcome is useful and the re results are relevant for the clinical trials. As we know, the correlation between PDL1 expression and the clinical responsiveness to PDL1 blockade is one of the most critical aspects that are being evaluated as part of these trials. And tissue samples, as you know, tissue has always been the issue, and having adequacy of samples is one of the most critical components. A second piece is ensuring that the sites that are sending us these samples are well selected so that they have the ability to process these samples in a timely manner, ensuring that the fixation and other pre-analytical conditions that influence the outcome of the results are well evaluated and these sites are educated well and they are able to support this is another critical area that we see we can make a difference as well. Those are the most critical aspects that I would say. What about the multiple assays that are available for PDL1? Uh, choosing between which ones you might use if, if that's a biomarker you're interested in? Certainly. As we said, each companion diagnostic assay supports specific registered therapy, and this creates a huge level of complexity for patients as well as for the clinicians in the use of PD-1 and PDL-1 blocking agents. And what would happen if they would like to move from one PDL-1 or PD-1 targeted therapy to another? So it's one of these areas where given the variability of each of these assays and each of these do, assays do come in with their own cutoffs or cut points, which define the positive versus negative status of PDL1 in that patient and its corresponding targeted therapy, it becomes very challenging in order to ensure a patient is able to get into that particular study. This has been recognized as a challenge very early on, and the oncology community has certainly initiated several efforts to harmonize. And some of these efforts have been primarily led by the FDA and a number of nonprofit organizations, including the pharmaceutical industry, as well as the, the device partners um, who are playing very active roles in this. So in that context, what 
What should sponsors do to mitigate all the challenges you mentioned when bringing a new therapy to market? So I think it's a critically important for the pharma sponsors, um, again, to understand some of the pre-analytical challenges and how they could work with the sites directly because they are the first line of contact with the sites to enable them um, to provide a good quality of the specimen for testing. And in parallel, when they do develop these um, working with the device partners, they develop the case kits and the reagents that are pretty robust and they're compatible in the output. So, you know, of the results. So when there is, when patients would like to move from one therapy to the other, then they are still able to have that correlation between each of these different therapies. So one of the key areas that they could support is to ensure that the cut points or the cutoffs that they are defining for PD-1 or PDL one are compatible. Um, we, we understand very well that they cannot be exactly the same, but at least they are comparable in terms of allowing patients to move from one study to the other. And uh, when we do have the correlation with the efficacy or the outcome, it makes it easier to correlate. Um, there have been several studies that have been ongoing. Uh, one of the primary areas are the blueprint study by the FDA that has been supported by multiple organizations and a large pool of pathologists who have been trying to perform a correlative study between the different PDL1 clones as well as the different types of cut points that they have been using. Um, so there's a lot of positive correlative outcome that has come out of the study, but additional efforts are required certainly moving forward. Right. So it also, it seems like an early engagement with your clinical trials partner would probably help you on the way to a more successful biomarker strategy. Oh, completely. So as you know, with biomarker strategies, it is not just, we're not talking only about PD-1 or PD-L1. Um, in the area of immuno-oncology, there are multiple other biomarkers that do play a very critical role with a move from performing uh, from monotherapy to combination therapies that are currently being evaluated and very successful evaluate outcomes have been seen in quite a large number of ongoing studies. There are other biomarkers that do play equally critical roles, and many of these biomarkers are also being evaluated by immunohistochemistry. So an early engagement with the pharma partner, uh, with organizations like ourselves, where we do have the scientific and the technical expertise to look at both the clinical protocols and evaluate the mechanism of action of the drug and the pathway of where the drug is acting to look at the biomarker that is most relevant to that particular mechanism of action. And if it's a combination therapy, to better work with the pharma sponsors to understand what are the critical markers that are going to have an immediate impact on the particular study is going to be very critical. Secondly, identifying a large set of pool of markers is not just adequate, then we would want to make sure that given the paucity of samples in these clinical trials, particularly tissue samples, as you know, could be very limited in how much we can get to use. It is critical that we are able to prioritize the type of testing and the type of markers that are going to provide meaningful insight into the outcome for the patients. So that early engagement does make a huge difference. Another area that we as Q Squared Solutions are able to support as well as coming in from the clinical side where we are able to provide advice and input into saying the site selection, which is going to be extremely critical once again to say which are the sites that would be in a good position to provide a good standardized processing of these tissue samples to ensure that these samples, once they are removed from the patient, being 
invasive procedures, a sample is immediately put into formalin. One of the areas that do heavily impact um, any biomarker assessment is the cold ischemia time as we describe it, the time interval between the sample being taken from the patient and being put into formalin. The longer you, the sample lies outside the surgical room or the theater, the higher there is a loss of the biomarker expression. So that is, those are critical areas. And again, the sample sitting in formalin where it's going to be fixed, it's, been, it's a well-known fact nowadays that overfixation in formalin does have a deleterious impact and with potential loss of antigenicity or antigenic expression of the, of the marker, that we are recommending that sites do not keep these samples in formalin for too long. And then the processing schedules that they use, very optimal processing schedules, including the type of paraffin bags that they use for processing, plays a critical role in the final output of results. So supporting the site selection, supporting site training, providing appropriate guidance documents to the sites, helping them to understand where the issue comes because the downstream effect of what they would not do or they would do wrongly at the first upstream does help the pharma sponsors to say that the quality of samples that are coming in are of very good quality. So to ensure that the output of results is also going to be of very good quality and optimal for providing the results they need for the trial. Yeah, a lot to think about there. So you've already mentioned there are numerous pdl one assays available, and most commonly we're talking, as you were, about immunohistochemistry. But those aren't the only technologies available for developing companion diagnostics. So I have two questions. What does the future look like for assessing a patient's likely response to new therapies? And secondly, how can we simplify the process for doctors, pathologists, and eventually improve patient care? Um, that's a lot to say in that one question. So, yeah, so-, <laughs> so looking at the the technologies that we're talking about. So if I were to address that, yes, immunohistochemistry was one of the primary technologies, particularly when we talk about tissue-based testing, but we do have other technologies, even from tissue samples that we could certainly talk about. We have a lot of work that is going on with regards to multiplex immunohistochemistry. As we talked about with immuno-oncology, PD-1 or PDL one is not the only marker that is of interest. We talk about IDO, GITR, LAG3, there are multiple other markers that are equally important that are coming into the market space that are influencing combination therapy. And they're looking at not only the PD-1, PD-L1 pathway, but also the upstream and downstream effects of this. So by introduction of multiplex immunohistochemistry chemistry or multicolor, as you could describe it, better describe it perhaps to say that you are actually able to see with a little amount of tissue you are able to see multiple large numbers of output of markers because you can actually run multiple markers in the same tissue sample in the same assay by the application of multiplex IHC. So there has been and is currently ongoing a lot of work across multiple laboratories in the industry as well as within our organization where we are developing multiplex IHC assays that would better define and have a larger output from multiple markers from a small piece of tissue. Similarly, we are also supporting a lot of um, tissue-based testing where our pathologists are able to clearly identify and earmark the areas of tumor versus the areas of normal tissue. So these samples could subsequently be taken for downstream molecular analysis or for CTDNAs or other you know, sequencing methodologies where we as 
pathologists are able to ensure that gain of the quality of the sample is most critical, that the quality of the sample that's being used for these is being evaluated by a pathologist who has the adequate and appropriate knowledge and expertise to do so. Let's go to that second question about simplifying process for doctors and pathologists and then in the big picture, improving patient care. So when we look at the process of simplifying things for the doctors, we already spoke about the oncology community having identified and acknowledged the fact that there are multiple different PDL1 assays out in the market. There is a huge effort that is ongoing within the community to ensure that we are able to standardize PDL1 testing, even if it is going to be across multiple different assay types or platforms, that at least the output is going to be quite compatible. So that's one critical effort that is being led by the community. And the second effort is, again, as we said, with regards to immuno-oncology, tissue-based testing with either immunohistochemistry is not the, or multiplexing is not the only diagnostic methodology that is available. We also do have other technologies like the um, molecular testing or sequencing. We have flow cytometry that has great input onto the outcome of PD-1 or PDL one um, tumor-associated lymphocytes or tumor-infiltrating lymphocytes, as you would call it, with multiple different markers that are critical. So when we talk about patient care and how do we then influence or enhance the output for the physician who's making a final decision on which type of therapy to use, if it's monotherapy or a combination therapy, and if it's a combo therapy, what is best suited for that patient? So you're going into, again, talking about personalized care and tailored therapy. I think a combination of what we would describe as a holistic approach to evaluating not just immunohistochemistry data, but looking at the histology of the tumor, correlating that with immunohistochemistry, the flow cytometry output of the data, as well as the molecular assays are going to be critical when we talk about the final results for a patient. I think the future is going that direction, primarily because no single methodology or no single platform is currently the gold standard for PD-1 or PD-L1 or immuno-oncology. It is going to be a multifactorial or a multidimensional approach that we would need to take with multiple different technologies providing input into the outcome for the patient to make the best treatment options um, that the physician can then identify. So much to think about. Dr. Radhakrishnan, thanks so much for sharing your insights with us today. If listeners are interested in learning more, Q-Squared Solutions is hosting a free immuno-oncology scientific symposium on March 21st, 2019 in San Francisco. To register, go to www.q2labsolutions.com events.